Hello, welcome back everybody to another episode of The Basement Binge, an episode that has been in the tunnel, in the, in the, in the process for over a year now. As is expected, Animation Hall of Fave cannot happen without being interrupted. This is Animation Hall of Fave 3. Now, we're going to get into the episode with How to Train Your Dragon. I just have to tell you guys something because I, I can't help but laugh at it. Every year, I set out to do Animation Hall of Fave, and it is interrupted, and the plans fall apart because of some external source in my life that I can't control, including this year, getting sick. And before this, Animation Hall of Fave is supposed to become at the beginning of the year, in January and February, and maybe a little bit into March. I didn't really start till March because I was so busy with school at the beginning of the year, so it was delayed. That's fine. I thought that maybe the delay was all I would have to deal with this year. But right as I was finally getting animation back, animation hall of fave back up and running, uh, I had a wonderful weekend about a week and a half ago where um, on a Saturday, my wife and I, we have two cars. We're, we're lucky enough for that. But one of them is this Camry that we love. It's got close to 350,000 miles. It's taken good care of us. 2001 Camry. It was parked in front of someone's house, a friend of ours, and someone rear-ended it pushed it up onto the curb about 20 feet in between two trees, smashed over some rocks. It, it was bad. The car was totaled. That was devastating. While it is the other driver's fault and they stuck around so we can get an insurance claim, it's a 2001 Camry with 300,000 miles on it. We're not going to get a lot back. And we are not in a position to afford a new car. So that was really, really stressful. My parents felt bad for us, so they invited us over for Sunday dinner. We drove there in our other car, still with a little bit of stress of how we were both going to get to work now down to one car and what we were going to do, but we were just pushing through. And we're at dinner. My dad had to leave for a meeting, and so he backed out of the driveway right into our other car uh, within less than 24 hours. So that was how the week started. Uh, It was quite stressful. Things have been resolved. I'm all right. We got a rental car now from our car that was totaled. We were able to find and purchase a really nice car that ended up working for the goods. So Things have worked out, but that's why I have been absent because all the time that I would have been able to invest in editing and recording episodes was invested into dealing with car insurance and getting a rental car and applying for an auto loan and purchasing a car and registration and all the things that goes about dealing with that. So it has been a ride. I guess if I want my life to be calm, I shouldn't do Animation Hall of Fave, but I I love animation, so I'm going to truck through it. Anyway, that is a long enough introduction. I just thought that was funny. I mean, it wasn't in the moment, but I can look back now and laugh, especially that it interrupted Animation Hall of Fave. So I guess that's just the way things go. Now, that story is fitting for this episode you're about to hear. This episode, How to Train Your Dragon, was recorded over a year ago in the beginning of the year of 2022 with Matt and Rob, originally to be released during that Animation Hall of Fave a year ago. That's when I ended up quitting my job. I ended up going back to school completely made a change in my life, and that brought a screeching halt to Animation Hall of Fave. So while we recorded the episodes and reviewed them, and they were supposed to go in conjunction with Kung Fu Panda, I wasn't able to edit and record them. So they are finally here. Thank you, Matt and Rob, for your patience. I'm excited for you to hear our review of How to Train Your Dragon 1, 2, and 3 from a year ago. And then we'll get back to the recent reviews happening with some exciting things like WALL-E, another movie that Matt recommended from Matt Goes to Movie 9, some Pixar's with The Incredibles, and then I'm really excited for the new Super Mario movie coming out, and Suzumi, in addition to some other great movies we're going to be reviewing. So that's Animation Hall Free. That's Animation Hall of Fave Volume 3. This has been a long enough introduction. Thank you for your patience. 
Thank you for enduring with me. Let's hope that there aren't any more interruptions for Animation Hall of Fame Volume 3, and we'll keep our fingers crossed until Volume 4 comes around. Anyway, that's enough for me. On to past Harrison. On to the episode. Welcome back, everybody, to The Basement Binge. Welcome to another episode of Animation Hall of Fame Volume 2. Finishing out the How to Train Your Dragon series with How to Train Your Dragon 3 or How to Train Your Dragon The Hidden World officially. Um, continuing also with Matt and Rob joining me from Matt Goes to Movies. Thank you again both for being here. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, happy to be back. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this movie. We got seriously distracted before we started recording, so I'm trying to refocus my brain about how to train your dragon. Um, so yeah, the final film here, we're going to get into it with our thoughts about it in the very first segment, Two Cents, which is completely spoiler-free. We'll kind of give our knee-jerk reaction to the film and then get into the other segments. Um, I will go first. I don't think I've gone first yet for Two Cents, and uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say this might be my favorite of the trilogy. I was really, really impressed with this on every level. I mean, everything that I remember praising over the last two episodes, animation, music, visuals, a a good pace, a good villain, uh, challenges for both Toothless and Hiccup, uh, uh, not jumping around too much, having the characters interact and continue to be themselves without regressing. Uh, Everything about it I just love, Um, particularly the way this film concludes as a trilogy really gets to me what we talked about a lot in the last episodes is the relationship between hiccup and toothless and this film does that relationship great service um which the first one would be my favorite because of that great relationship that starts between hiccup and toothless and so even before i saw this i was like oh there's no way that it can beat the first because you know that relationship the way it starts but this one does it so well that it might just be my favorite I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit overzealous. Maybe you guys will convince me otherwise, but (laughs) I I loved it. The humor was great. I I mean, seriously, the visuals, there were multiple times when I was watching this and I just thought, I can't believe that this is animated. Just the way the camera worked, uh, everything that was happening in the scene, I just was impressed that this was an animated movie and uh, really loved it, obviously. So (laughs) there's my two cents. Uh, We'll let uh, Rob go next. Maybe he'll immediately ruin my... (laughs) Um... I don't know if I'm going to disappoint you or not, but I'm not going to ruin this. Uh, I don't know if you were hoping I was going to or not, but yeah, Um, (laughs) this is, um, it really is an incredibly satisfying conclusion to this series, um, which is, is great for this film. But in terms of you, you end this film and you don't want this series to be over. You really don't. You want to see more about what happens with these characters. I mean, I, I finished watching this and, you know, again, the, the real benefit of binging these films uh, the way that you do for your show, Harrison, is is you really get to appreciate the journey that especially when it's a good series, but you really get to appreciate the journey that these characters go on. And when it's over, I find my I found myself going, I just want more. Give me to train to dragon, you know, how to train your dragon, <laughs> Burke drift, the fate of the dragon trainer, train your dragon. Like, just give me. Give me all of that. Like, I'll take any of that. I, I just, I want more from this series. Um, it's, uh, it's emotional. It's fun. The humor lands. The characters grow. Um, you see the natural progression of them um, in, in their ages and in, in their relationships. Um, 
it, there's minimal things that doesn't work. There's minimal things that I don't like about this. It's really a great time. Um, it, it's and it's not something that you have to feel weird about liking as an adult. Well said. Well, finish this out, Rob. Also, I just I have to say, sorry, that in, I just called Matt Rob and I <laughs> interrupted you. Sorry, but I'm distracted because Rob not only referenced Fast and the Furious, his name says it's about family. I just noticed that. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Oh, okay. Anyway, go ahead, Matt. <laughs> um yeah i was actually kind of i don't know i i worried nervous whatever that i was gonna like this like way more and i was gonna be all gushing over it and you guys were gonna be like what are you talking about and then you were gonna kick me off this episode um <laughs> but i really enjoy this movie i think harrison like you said the animation the story the character development and even and this is something that we'll get into later because obviously we're not going to talk about spoilers right now. I feel like there's certain points where what you could perceive as a character going backwards are actually done in a believable way because I can relate to it in my own life where you kind of fall back into something before you realize like, okay, I'm, I'm doing the same thing that I said I was not going to do. I think it's actually done very well in here where I would normally have an issue with, oh, it seems like we're, we talked about, and I think in episode uh, one, oh, you're just doing it for the sake of this character's back into the same thing that happened before, just so we can have something to talk about in the sequel. I don't feel that that's why it happens in this movie. Uh, I really actually enjoy everything that they did with the characters. And like Rob said, very minimal things that I have wrong with. Uh, this one so i enjoyed it thoroughly well i'm glad that we're in agreement here i i had never seen this film before we'll talk about it more and live up but it, it's exciting to have particularly the end of a trilogy work so well because i mean third films are hard to do but then like concluding a trilogy is hard to do uh just as history shows and so it's great to have it do so well so We'll get on to the next segments. Before we do that, just a brief announcement. This is Animation Hall of Fame Volume 2, if you didn't hear me at the beginning. Because of that, I am giving away a movie. You could own a copy of this movie if that is your poison you want to pick or any of the other movies I have reviewed or am going to review the rest of February. You can simply leave a review on podchaser.com. Podchaser.com is great. Just podchaser.com slash the basement binge. Also linked below. Leave a review. You can leave a review on this exact episode. Each review is an entry to win a movie or... Second place winner is a $10 movie gift card. That's all for me, Matt. I'll let you briefly talk about what's happening over at Matt Goes to the Movies. Ah, well, thank you. Uh, you know, over at Matt Goes to the Movies, we are currently um, in the midst of doing something different with Matt Goes to the Movies, and that is a top 100 video game uh, podcast episode that's broken down, well, is going to be broken down into four parts. Uh, we have already done part one. Um, that was myself, Rob, who's on today, my son, Brandon. Uh, you know, Harrison, uh, you weren't able to make part one, but you're going to be with us for parts uh, two, three, and four. Uh, in an episode that gained a lot of traction already, which is really cool to see. Um, a lot of people have taken interest in that. So it seems like something that people were really, you know, anticipating based on you know, the immediate reaction and the immediate downloads that we've gotten for that episode. So 
that is pretty much filling up all of the time for February. And I might have to find time. I did have somebody actually reach out to me and ask me to do individual episodes on all the Fast and the Furious movies, including Hobbs and Shaw. Um, so I don't know if I'm anticipating doing that or what I want to do. Um, so I, I'm trying to consider if I would do that, considering we did your show with all the Fast and the Furious movies. Um, I don't know if I could stomach rewatching some of those. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't yeah. Blame you. Uh, we do have a quick announcement. So uh, within the next, uh, I would say definitely by the time this episode releases, uh, Eric and I will have the next episode of the EPU out. And uh, we're, we're just getting ready. We'll probably record in the next few days, have it released, uh, you know, within a day or so after that. And I'll go ahead and announce it. We are doing The Rocketeer, a movie from way back in the day. Oh. And definitely a movie <laughs> that you're thinking to yourself, man, I love that movie. I have not seen that movie in so long. Why have I waited so long to rewatch that movie? We are so excited to do it. Um, it's a great adventure movie. I uh, can't wait to start talking about it. So that'll release uh, probably by the time you're hearing this, it should be out already. Uh, and it's streaming on Disney plus. So if you haven't seen it in a while, you can watch it for free. I, I just have to say, I'm sorry. I was incredibly jealous, heartbroken <laughs> when you did the boondock saints. And now you kicked me while I'm down the rocketeer. <laughs> oh my God. I love that movie. Oh, now I, uh, you, you broke my heart. You, you broke my heart. <laughs> yeah, very much looking forward to recording that. And it'll, it'll be out by the time uh, this episode releases. Well, I'm going to have to watch that. It has been on, my, I've never seen it before. It's been on my watch list for like three years now. Yeah. And then I'm just so busy watching other things. And now I have like a incentive to watch it so I can enjoy that episode. So thank you. So good. <laughs> it, yeah. It's one of those movies that, if you stop and think about it, there's no reason why it's good, but <laughs> like, it's just a light. Well, it's a lighthearted, fun movie. It's just so enjoyable on every level, but it almost shouldn't be like, it, it's one of those movies that should have been like, this is a disaster. And for whatever reason, everything lined up to just go, God, that's so much fun. Big reason why it's on our list of uh, of just films that my brother and I have had a lot of uh, attachment to over our lifetime. So, yeah, very, very much looking forward to releasing. I'm excited for that. Well, those are all exciting things you can look forward to over at Matt Goes to the Movies. So the, that show will be linked below as well. If you haven't, also, you can just get Matt Goes to the Movies wherever you get podcasts. It is definitely worth it. There's great episodes over there. I can't recommend the Daredevil episode enough. You're probably thinking, <laughs> why? Go listen to it. You'll understand. Also, there are great episodes coming your way. So, All right, let's move on to the next segment, Pick Your Poison, which is a rating scale here at the Basin Binge, which is really unique uh, where it is based off the bingeability, so to speak, of the film air quotes around that and uh how you would choose to interact with it after watching it so if out of four options to never watch it again which is self-explanatory to stream it meaning it's on a service you're paying for and you're just browsing looking for something to watch you'd be willing to click on it above that is rent it in the right circumstances you pay a few dollars to rent it and top of the list if you didn't guess already is to buy it own it watch as many times as you'd like 
So we will go in reverse order of two, two cents. So Matt, I will let you go first and, and we'll just go the opposite direction. All right. Uh, so this is a buy for me and similar to what I talked about the last episode. So I will not go into all that detail again. This is especially one of those movies at the time that it came out, we were starting to get more and more storage towards streaming services, but in the sense of supporting the medium, this is one of those ones that you should buy support the studio. And on top of that, this is really one of those trilogies where not that you can't enjoy the third one, but this whole, this series as a whole is meant to be watched because you can just see from the first, the second to the third, the natural character growth to really enjoy this as a whole. And that's not to say again, that these movies can't stand alone and you can't watch them and still enjoy them. But the real like pleasure from these movies comes from being able to see this entire character arc and actually moving forward with the story. So this one is a buy for me, just like the rest of the series. Uh, I think this is something that deserves to be watched again. Um, and, you know, you should respect what these creators did with this by getting all three of them. So it's a buy for me. All right. Well said, Rob. This is also a buy for me. I don't buy a lot of movies, which is why I think your rating system for Pick Your Poison is so compelling and fascinating. Um, but I think this is a series as a whole. You should own these three films should be a part of your library, be it digital or physical. Um, there's something for everybody. You can have a lot of fun with this series. Um, and I agree with Matt. You should watch all three of these kind of together. Um, this third film is a great cap to the trilogy. Um, it does stand on its own, but works so, so well as the third piece of a trilogy. Yes, I, I agree. It's also going to be a buy for me. Um, the second one to, to just compare to that was, was closer to a rent on its own, but as part of the trilogy was definitely a buy, particularly for kind of the reasons Matt said, but this one is one that if I am being honest, if I were to rewatch any of these movies, this was be the one I would watch the soonest. I, I love the first, but I've seen it a lot. Uh, like I mentioned in that episode, this one, especially because it's so new and how much I love it, I would come back to this. I will come back to this very, very soon. Uh, it's definitely a buy. And also just to support a great trilogy, like you said, Rob. So uh, clearly, we highly recommend the movie. If you haven't seen it, if you were like me and hadn't, you definitely should go see it. So let's kind of talk about that next in the next segment, Live Up which is where we talk about our expectations going into the film and if it was able to live up to them. And yeah, I'm great with the names, obviously. So uh, my expectations for this, because I hadn't seen it before, uh, I was kind of nervous. Like I said, you know, trilogies are difficult to do. The last film was difficult to do. And the like with Kung Fu Panda, as much as I love those, each sequel was just more of a step down. Like I, I loved all of them, but like it just progressively got less good not that it got bad it just got less good and so that happened with the second how to train your dragon i was just kind of expecting it to happen with the third that's just the way trilogies tend to go and but i really wanted it to be good because i just i really love the character of toothless and hiccup and i wanted them to have a proper send-off um outside of that i knew that this had a white night fury in it and i just assumed that there would be some romance with uh 
toothless. And that's pretty much all I expected was that it w- would be a step down in quality in some way and that there was going to be a white dragon. Uh, it lived up to the second one. There was a white dragon, definitely part of the movie. Uh, did not live up to the second way. In fact, it, it, in a good way, it was not a step down in quality. If anything, it was a step up in quality from the second film. Really, I was just impressed with the way that the story was told both as like an individual film, just like a continuation for the characters of Hiccup and Toothless. And, and now that we're into spoilers, I'll say this. It would be really, really easy to avoid their goodbye, uh, the way that their relationship goes. But where else did you have to go, really? Like, that's the way their relationship was going. And I think it would have been kind of like um, narrow-minded to just say like, oh, yeah, they can can be together. Um, like when, let me say it this way, when when Hiccup and Astrid go to the hidden world, I just thought, no, 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 the Vikings can't be here. Like that would just ruin everything if the Vikings showed up. And then they didn't do that. And I was just extremely impressed that there was a maturity in the relationship, in the goodbye, in, in Hiccup's and Toothless's relationship. And I was just impressed. Like that's how you tie up a trilogy. This is how you do it. And they weren't afraid of that. And they told a compelling story. And I really loved it. So yeah, it, it, it didn't live up because I wasn't expecting it to be good, but it lived up and that it was really good. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll let you go next, Rob. Um, I've seen this movie one other time prior to this. We uh, took our kids to go see it in theaters and uh, they had a great time with it. I really had a great time with it as well. Uh, the film's very emotional, but I hadn't seen it since then. And this film came out in like February of 2019. So it was a couple of years ago now. A lot has happened in our world since then. So like I remembered liking this movie i remembered that it had some emotional punch to it um it was going to make you feel some things and i kind of remembered that but um to say that it lived up yes i i remembered liking it uh and it lived up and exceeded that particularly because i had just seen the first two films i actually don't know that i'd even seen the second film by the time i saw the third one in theaters so i think i, I missed out on some things or i'd maybe like walked in the room when the kids had it playing on dvd or something um, and just saw parts of it, but having really had the chance to see all three films kind of back to back to back, um, it really is the right way to do it. So it, it exceeded uh, my expectations and more than lived up to uh, what I was hoping for. Yeah. Great to hear that leaves you, Matt. Yeah. So, uh, I was really nervous when this was first released, partially because the first movie and the second movie, there was a four-year gap between the two of them, which is, you know, a, a fairly long time, but typical, so to speak, for how long it takes between these two movies. And then the gap between the second and the third was five years. But for some reason, it seemed like forever. And it almost felt like we were never going to get a How to Train Your Dragon 3. And because you really didn't hear anything about it, it was kind of weird that they hadn't announced anything because the second one did very good financially. Uh, It was profitable, had good review scores. And I just kind of got nervous that when they announced it, it was like, oh, man, like they're just going to try and cat like, oh, they're going to bank on the name. The story is not going to be as good. And it's just going to kind of ruin what my thoughts are about this. Uh, needless to say, I was very pleasantly surprised. And then on another watch through, I was like, yeah, like this is everything that I wanted from this movie. Uh, I, I think, again, it's a very great cap for the trilogy. And it so it 
it definitely exceeded what my expectations were on the first viewing. And then the second viewing, it's still just, you know, it, it lived up to what I remembered uh, from this movie. Which is great to hear that we all enjoy it. Like, you, I just want this film to to do well. So yeah, it it really is a great conclusion to a trilogy. Um, and I think that that's just the reason that I love it so much is that I wanted the trilogy to end properly, um, particularly for the relationship of Toothless and Hiccup. And the way they did that was really, really good. So we'll kind of dissect this a little bit further in the next segment, which is lame, fave, or fame. This is just for animation season, animation hall of fave. If there is a hall of whatever it is in this entry that we are reviewing, is it worthy of fame? Meaning that everybody should love it. Everybody should see it. It should be remembered or recognized as a wonderful piece of animation, a wonderful film for whatever reason you want to pick. Or is it the exact opposite where it's lame? It just wasn't worthy of an entry. It was a disappointment or in the middle where it's a fave where it's definitely not lame, but it's one that more you just love and you recognize that it's not going to be widely accepted. Um, let's let uh, Rob go first. So kind of using the same theory of grading system I had before, if you were talking to somebody who said, I've never seen How to Train Your Dragon, should I see this series? Particularly, I've only seen the first two, should I see the third one? You would say, yes. You should see the third one. The third one is incredible. Uh, so that easily makes it uh, fame, uh, absolutely fame. Um, this is a movie that I, I I recommend to everybody. It's not like, well, I would recommend this movie to this friend or that group of friends or maybe this family member, but this one over here, I don't think they would like, or this coworker, I don't, I don't think they would like this. Who can you think of that you would not recommend this movie to if they hadn't seen it? Uh, I can't think of a single person in my life that I wouldn't say, Hey, yeah, you should see How to Train Your Dragon if you've never seen it before, particularly the third one, if you haven't seen the third one of the series. Uh, so easily, it fame. Yeah, sweet. All right, Matt, and then I'll go next, last. Yeah, absolutely. To me, this is fame. Uh, you absolutely should watch this movie. Again, a, it's a great cap to the trilogy. It's one of those rare things where the trilogy, you know, the third one, you know, is I think the well, the best out of the series. Um, you know, it, it's almost like the reverse of the original Star Wars where Empire Strikes Back is so good. And then like Return of the Jedi, you're like, oh, OK, that's good. But, like it's reverse here. You're like, oh, well, all right. The second one's good. And then the third one is like, oh, wow, this is really, really good. So for me, this is definitely fame. Yeah, well, I'm I'm gonna agree with both of you. It for me definitely fame from the standards that both of you kind of judged it by. I would recommend it to anyone. I would recommend this trilogy for anyone, especially so that they could get to uh, this ending. Like for example, the Matt Reeves Planet of the Apes trilogy, which I'll be reviewing uh, in March, the beginning of March. I recommended that to all my family members as soon as I could, just because I wanted them to experience the entire trilogy. Like it, there wasn't one particular film that I was like. Hey, you need to, I mean, yes, all of them, but it was, it was the, the story over the entire trilogy, particularly the way it ends. And I feel the same way about this one. Like you need to watch how to train your dragon because they're all really good, but especially all three of them, because the way it ends is phenomenal. Um, so yeah, definitely fame for me. Also as from a, like an actual like fame 
note this is the only um what is the word what is the uh description i'm searching for um hold on one second my brain just went blank there was something i was gonna say um what was i even saying this you is were saying country. yeah something about fame Oh, oh, okay. Thank you. I've just like my brain just stopped working for a second there. Sorry. Um, so, How to Train Your Dragon is the only animated franchise in history to have three films that were all or more. So, like three or more films that also all of them were nominated for Academy Awards for Best Animated Feature. So, like other films have had uh, like tr- sequels or, or four films, but not all of them have been entries. So, this is the first animated film where all of the entries in the franchise were nominated for an Oscar, which I think is deserving uh, mm-hmm. of this. And I, I think is really, really cool. So it's Shrek famous for that get, reason. That's too. interesting. You're saying Shrek didn't all get nominated for that. I would have thought that one would have even Shrek the third. <laughs> uh, uh, I haven't seen it in a while. It's... Also, I, what year did Shrek the third come out? I don't know. Had to be oh, no. during a, it had to be during a writer's strike because they just got anybody <laughs> to do that. <laughs> it um, came out in uh, 2007. Oh, so they just took the parts that they threw away for Revenge of the Fallen from Transformers and put it into a Shrek movie. <laughs> so. Wow. Well, now we know Matt's feelings about that. So. <laughs> oh crap! Now we're now we're stuck doing Transformers at some point this year, aren't we? <laughs> we are. We are. We kind of have to. <laughs> I'm very excited about it. Actually, you know, Harrison, can I, I? I just can I say one thing about? I just you know you said you're going to review Planet of the Apes. I think that's one of the things like how you said with this movie too. When the first one came out, I didn't hate it, but I didn't like love it. I was like yeah okay like sure that's it's a movie and i watched it and i just don't know but as those movies progress and i think that's one of the things where if you continue to do what your vision is that's when you get you know that's when you can enjoy that trilogy because i don't think after the first there was some negativity about the first one and i think matt reeves really stuck to what he wanted to do with that movie and how he wanted, you know, that trilogy to play out where you and I had reviewed um, a movie called Prometheus, where there was tons of backlash Mm -hmm. about what fans thought that was going to be. And then we got alien covenant and fans hated that even more, even though they turned around and gave, you know, all the smart people, you know, what they said they wanted from this new movie. And then all of a sudden it did worse than Prometheus by a mile. So, And that's something I think with this movie as well, you know, they had this planned. The director in the second one said, I will come back, but this has to be a trilogy. That is my plan for this franchise. So if you want me to do it, you have to allow me to do a trilogy. And I think that's just where, you know, like this movie and when you're going to do Planet of the Apes, again, when you get to see your vision outright and stick to it, you know, you go back and you watch the first one or you watch the second one, especially with some of the things that we said about the second one, and you can appreciate everything as a whole. And maybe that first movie or second movie, you know, is better because of where the story goes. 
Yeah, I agree. The, I, something I was going to say about this is that this film retroactively makes me like the second film more. Like, not mm. that I dislike the second film, which is it wasn't right. as good as the first, uh, but there, the things, there's things about the second that are now better by this one, uh, which is impressive for a trilogy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it is, as a trilogy, especially, I, I said this a lot in when I did Kung Fu Panda that as a trilogy, Kung Fu Panda deserves to be in a legitimate animation hall of fame if there is such a thing. And if there's limited space, I have no problem knocking down Kung Fu Panda to put in How to Train Your Dragon. Hopefully there's room for both, but <laughs> that's how highly I view this entire trilogy. Uh, it's really, really great. Also, Rob, just because I was curious, in 2007, the animated uh, Oscar nominations were Surf's Up, Ratatouille, and Persepolis. So yeah, strike the third instant chance. Ratatouille is really good. Yeah, I enjoy that. So is Surf's Up. Have you guys seen Surf's Up recently? Ratatouille I, is the only film I recognized out of that list. I have not seen Surf's Up recently. Oh, okay. If you haven't seen Surf's Up, Rob, you should see it with your kids sometime. It go, it's fantastic. It's hilarious, mm. too. So, Also, anyone listening, I recommend Surf's Up for animation season that you're doing at home. It's great. So, Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection. The lightest ever shoes from Allbirds. Now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Okay, well, back to How to Train Your Dragon. We'll move on to the next segment here, Binge Points. This is Easter eggs, details, behind-the-scenes, trivia. Anything else you just want to mention about the film that uh, doesn't fit anywhere else? So anybody have anything to mention right off the bat? Um, I don't know if you guys caught this. The the voice actor that replaced uh, T.J. Miller for Tough Nut um, does a very passable job impersonating his voice. Um, but they did replace him because of uh, a couple of allegations uh, against him that had happened in between the second and third film. Um, that's a tough voice to do. Uh, so the actor that they got, um, Justin Ruppel, um, you know, credit to him for having to, to try to recreate a version of that voice, but still do something on your own. Okay. I didn't even know that. I didn't even recognize that it was someone else. So that's impressive. Mm-hmm. And he has a lot of lines in this film, too. Like, he's, I think, one of the, the characters that talks more. Wow. 
you know, one thing uh, that I'll point out with behind the scenes stuff is, you know, they had originally that's I, I mentioned earlier that I was kind of worried about this movie is this third one actually was supposed to be released two years after the second one came out. Um, that was the original plan. And then for whatever reason, it just like the studio kind of lost interest in doing it, which again, I find really odd because good reviews, good money, profitable movie. Um, and they've made sequels to movies that, you know, just barely broke even. Uh, but this one, they kind of threw on the shelf there for a while, um, which was, I, I thought was kind of interesting. That is interesting. I'm glad they did, though. I feel because I was reading somewhere that uh, Drago was uh, was going to come back in this film and then be like redeemed, like have a redemption arc, which mm -hmm. I don't know. I just think would kind of take away from the film a lot. Like this is clearly about Hiccup and and Toothless. And I feel like Drago involved would just be. I don't know. I, I just feel like it wouldn't work. Also, whoever plays a villain, I forget his name. Uh, what is his name? I'm trying to look it up here. Grimmel the Grizzly. Oh yeah, who who plays him? Because I loved his voice. I'm sure I, the actor's name is F. Murray Abraham. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, he does a fantastic job. Oh, he's in Moon Knight. According to IMDb, he's Konshashu, or he's Konshu, or however you say that. <laughs> <laughs> How do you say that? I I think there's probably a bunch of different ways that people would say it. Konshu. It's it, it's like Raish Al Ghul. Some people say Raz Al Ghul. Some people say Raish. Okay, well, I don't think, don't I think ask DC it knows like. how to pronounce it because they pronounce it like both ways in mm -hmm. TV and video games. Yes, they do. Okay, well, either way, he's in Moon Knight and he's Khonshu. He's the Moon God, so that's sweet. Super distracted. <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> uh, back on binge points here. Um, I want to mention this. I I don't know how this idea came to me, but I thought, you know what? Has an animated film ever been nominated for cinematography? Because we were just talking about Oscars earlier, and it got me thinking: Has an animated film ever been nominated for it? And if there is ever a film that should be deserving of that, I think this is one that is. I love the cinematography in this. Jill Zimmerman, who is technically the cinematographer or called head of layout and animation. He does a fantastic job. Just to briefly explain what head of or or head of layout is, what layout is, is they take all the different animated parts that people do, right? So they take the act, the, the background elements that people are creating. They take the dragons that people are animating. They take the characters that people are animating. They take the visual effects that visual effects artists are creating. They take all of that and lay it out together to create a cohesive scene. And they also have like kind of directorial role where they're overseeing everything to make sure that pieces mesh together so very much like a cinematographer making things make sure things in the frame mesh together um anyway i just have to say that the way they use and move the camera in this film is phenomenal also he did uh treasure planet which episode uh was would be out before this trilogy the layout in that film was also incredibly impressive but particularly to mention the scene in that scene when uh astrid and toothless are on stormfly astrid's dragon flying around the waterfall I am just shocked that that is animated. Like, I still can't wrap my head around the visual elements of that film and the way the camera moves. Like, they're like, it seems like it's filmed with aerial cinematography. And I just like the thinking about the work that would go into animating that with hair movement and the wing movement and the water is just, it's phenomenal animation. I just really am impressed with that scene. 
the battle scenes, particularly in this movie, um, make you appreciate the just technical prowess the filmmakers had in building this. Um, you don't ever feel like you lose the action. The, I guess the one complaint that I might have in terms of some of those details, there's uh, there's a battle where the um, Dragon Special Forces group kind of lands, and there's there's a battle that happens at night. It's a little tough at times to tell who's who. Um, but outside of that, I mean, it's it's a visually impressive movie. Yes. Thinking about that opening again with the fog, although it does kind of get confusing who, which character is which, like technically the amount of work to make that look is, I mean, is really, really cool, especially with animation. So yeah, it, technically this film is really, really impressive. Yeah, like this is one of those movies where, you know, if anybody ever sits there and says, hmm, why would I upgrade like my television or why would I do that? Like this is one of those movies, you know, I actually um, can, you know, can watch this in 4K and it's just like it makes it even more impressive, like how visually appealing this movie is, um, like on every single level, but also to like just, you know, interesting facts. I mean, this movie was nominated for 28 different awards when it was oh released. Gosh. Like, that's a lot, you know. Um, best original score, most original, like, just like crazy, like, um, amount of different things. Like, you know, family movie of 2019, best animated film, best animated feature, like from all different, cat, like, all different awards. Um, whatever the you know associations this thing was just nominated like crazy so again it just goes to show like critics too also recognize these movies as really good like entertainment and filmmaking yeah Matt, i definitely want to talk about the score because you had mentioned it um the score for this is impeccably worked just the the way that it matches the action on screen um really matches everything well the highs the lows the in-betweens um i absolutely adore the score to this film i agree i i it was one of those things that it was nominated for was uh, original score and it didn't win i'm trying to find who it lost to and it lost to uh or, sorry it wasn't nominated for uh original score i was i was thinking it the first one was nominated either way what i'm trying to say is john powell who is the composer for this he released i think it was last year in 2021 or maybe it's 2020 i don't know he released an album that isn't the score for how to train your dragon but it's like his uh i don't know like his ideas for how to train your dragon all on piano so it's some pieces from the score other things uh that he just like are ideas from how to train your dragon all on piano and it is some of the most beautiful music to listen to ever. So if you like this score, I highly recommend it. Uh, I forget what it's called, but it, it's fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I love this score as well. I, I feel like there are, this is one of those themes, those motifs, the how to train your dragon theme that you keep humming after you watch the film <laughs> is one that I really, really love. And I love the way that it's worked in the film. And also just like those other things that you don't like, they say like, oh, you don't no notice a film score. Like those ways that it sells the emotion, you know, the tension, the action, the mystery, whatever, it, it does it all so well. Yeah, to totally agree. Um, yeah, are there any other... Uh, oh, I did have a binge point. This was, we were kind of talking about the, the technical imp 
impressiveness, not a word, of this film. It was the first DreamWorks animation film to use their new animation rendering system named Primo and Moonray. I have no idea what that means, but it was the first. Uh, and it definitely has a visual look, like particularly with that wedding scene at the end, like just the fur and hair on Astrid and, and Hiccup. I'm just like shocked that animated films look that good. Um, which is really cool. Now, speaking of binge points, to kind of get back to that a little bit, I love that uh, we talked about how the characters age and look different. How Toothless, or not Toothless, Hiccup, we talked about a lot about last episodes. I never noticed, but Astrid changes her hairstyle and her outfit each film. Like, it gets a little yes. bit more stylish, if that's a word. Like, a little bit, I don't know, more feminine? That's, that's the wrong word, but like, like before her hair was always in like a really tight braid and now it's like long and flowy and and i just think it's cool characterization to see how they change i don't mean I don't know, what does a hairstyle mean i have no idea but it's just cool how they change um moving that even forward a little bit further the end of the film when we see them not just as young adults but actually adults um can we talk about how incredible the character designs are for grown-up hiccup and astrid oh yeah hundred so good just there are so many good design choices all throughout this trilogy we've talked about you know many of them in the first two but when you see the two of them as you know 30 somethings um even that has a little bit of an emotional ring to it because when we first meet them I, i think hiccups 15 when we first meet him am i right on that yeah yeah i think he's he's like 15 in the second movie he's 20 I think this movie takes place a year later uh, yeah. from the second one. Um, so, so just kind of seeing like, oh man, like you know what's going to happen. You know they're going to reunite with with Toothless and and see each other for the first time. Like, what's that going to mean to the two of them? Um, just when you see that that look for both of them, and you see him as a grown man, and he's starting to resemble Stoic just a little bit. Um, you know, uh, it's, I love it. I absolutely love that moment. Um, the one binge point that I definitely caught and, and you only catch it, I think if you've seen all three films, you know, kind of somewhat recently with each other, I love when Astrid kind of challenges hiccup and she says, what are you going to do about it? And he looks at her and says, probably something stupid. <laughs> and it's such a great callback to the first film. I'm I'm positive I missed it when I watched this in the theaters. I think a lot of people did. Um, when you get when you really do binge these things, those are the things you catch, and those are the things I I really appreciate that the filmmakers add for us. Yeah, I this isn't necessarily something that it goes with binge points, but I just have to address it now because I think it works great. Is I feel like that moment from like a cool binge point, like a great line. It also brings back a lot of the emotion from when that line is originally used when when Astrid asks him, like when all the dragons are taken away uh, and Toothless is taken and they go to the nest, Stoic takes him there in the first film and she asks him like, why didn't you do it? And he goes from I wouldn't or I couldn't kill a dragon to I wouldn't. That fantastic scene that we talked a lot about in that episode, it's just like, it it gets to uh, a, a good point of Hiccup recognizing who he is and like recognizing his strengths in a new way, at a newer age, in a different way. And I just think it's great filmmaking. Great film. Yeah, I, I just I, I want to point out too because Rob, you mentioned it. You know how it's an emotional moment to see him like older, the character designs and everything like that. And I get it. There's a difference between 
like live action and animated you can you know manipulate more but like i recently had rewatched like um like the harry potter movies and got to the end and just the difference and again i know there's more that you can do with the animated movies but just the difference of seeing them being older as opposed to that scene at the end of deathly hollows part two when they come back to the station and they're supposed to be older but it just looks like it looks really bad they don't look like they're actually like older adults it looks like they age them and it doesn't like it just takes you out of that what i feel is supposed to be like actually a really cool moment and an emotional moment for their kids now going to the school um as opposed to this where it does get to you that like oh man he he is older and wow like you saw this person when he was 15 years old and now you know what by the time that that scene shows he's 31 i think is is the correct age how that actually lines up probably so because yeah it's what 10 years so he starts at 15 the next movie is five years later a year later so he's 21 and then it's 10 years after this when they go back right i think is how that lined up at the end of the movie it's pretty close if, if you're not right it's at least close yeah so he's he's in his 30s now so i just think it works a lot better especially considering i just recently saw something that kind of goes along the same lines oh i was muted sorry i thought of the exact same scene um and the other thing that i really like about in how to train your dragon that really works is that it we get them as like parents for a very, really really short amount of time but it sells their relationship as like a good companionship a good mm-hmm. parentship so well which is really really deserved for these characters like they've learned how to believe in each other and work with each other in their differences and then their strengths and weaknesses and it's great to see that in parents like i feel like I, i'm not a parent but i feel like it's rare that we get that depiction of parents frequently in films like a lot of the time we'll get like a single parent, like a single mom or single dad who does really, really well. But it's, at least in my opinion, rare to get two parents that are a good team. Uh, and I until sort of, until the end of the movie when they, you know, something happens that all of a sudden, you know, the dad right. gives up his the dad gives up his corporate job to stay home, you know, to take the kids <laughs> camping. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It, particularly in like a kids movie. And so it's just like refreshing to see like these are clearly two people who've lived together for a while, been together, and they've found out a way to work together really well and care for their kids. And it's just like, that's great to see. I mean, I think who, that's because largely in kids movies, the parents or at least one, if not both, always have to die to start the movie. <laughs> <laughs> we, we took care of that in the second film so we can enjoy their parents. Here. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, obviously, I think we all really, really enjoy that scene. Um, so yeah, any other binge points at all? No, I think uh, uh, I, I think I'm good. Okay, I'm I'm just reading through my notes here, seeing if there was anything else that I want to mention. Um, let's see here. Nah, yeah, that's everything. Okay, well. Let's move on to the next segment, which we kind of were talking about a little bit, which is least and likes, least favorite scene and our favorite scene. Um, Rob, I'll let you go first with your least favorite scene. My least favorite scene, 
I don't really have a true least favorite scene, so I'm going to kind of cheat a little bit, and I'm going to group a few scenes together that share a common thread. Um, Jonah Hill's character, I, I, his name escapes me at the moment, but the whole like Stifler's mom kind of subplot that they try to shoehorn into this is stupid, uh, creepy, weird. Um, it, it's it's not funny. Like it's it's played for laughs, but it's really bad, and I I hate it. Well, I was going to go second, but I'm going to agree with you. I there, there's not um, a, a scene that I really, really dislike. It was just like when, which is interesting because I liked his characterization of like thinking Eret or whatever that dude's name is is like number one, and he's number two, like completely separated from the mother, like just you know number one versus number two type of thing. I thought that was funny and well done, but every single time it was brought to the mother, I was like, that's just weird. Like especially yeah. the way she yeah. like said something to him at the end, I was like, what the heck, like. I, I don't know. It, it was just weird. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my least favorite as well. Because I feel like it's 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 good humor that's just wasted on something creepy that makes it bad humor. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, Matt, what's your least favorite? Yeah. So I don't think we've ever really been as like succinct on our thoughts in a movie that we've done. Because I totally agree. In a movie that. Again, I have very little negative to say that it, that does really seem like really out of place. It's almost like someone yeah. snuck that into the script and they didn't read it. Like it's it's like somehow like. I, I don't know, every like somebody managed in post-production to like get that into the movie and it was like, oh, shoot, we've already put together the final cut there's no way we can backtrack now we got to hit a release date it, it just seems oddly out of place especially given th like all three movies it, it's definitely to me very odd so that that definitely just does not work yeah well we're all in agreement there so well i mean which is also great to say that there's a lot of the film that really really works and if that's like the least favorite that we all have and it's not even really one scene that goes to show how great everything else is um so yeah it, so rob we'll start with you again what's your favorite uh favorite scene it's a pretty easy one for me it's when they're kind of towards the end of the film um hiccup you know helps uh the uh the light fury um and pulls the mask off of her and and falls and he looks at her and says save him and then he falls and it's in slow motion and he watches her. He accepts his fate. You can see in his facial expressions, he accepts his fate, but he's satisfied with it because I, I said this about um, one of the first two films, you know, these two characters, Toothless and Hiccup, you 100% believe they would die for one another, like in an instant, like just lay down their life for the other person you know, for the other, for the other guy immediately, like not even think twice about it. And you saw that here. He, he had the opportunity, um, to do something different. He said, save him. Didn't think twice, just let go. Um, was, was accepting his own death was maybe a little nervous about his own death, but was okay that this is how it came. He was satisfied with this being his end and for and the reasons that this was his end. And it's just a, I'm not crying. You're crying moment. 100%. Um, and to me, I, I believe this is 
the emotional high point of the trilogy is that moment right there. Um, love that moment. Love that scene. And I, and I love the way that those characters built to that um, and, and the payoff we get later for it. Yeah, that is a fantastic scene. Um, it's really, really hard for me to pick a favorite because there's a lot of scenes that I really, really like. Um, I'm just going to go with the scene where uh, Hiccup says goodbye to Toothless. That scene, there's a lot of scenes that got me emotional. That one really, really did. I just, like, if anybody's ever had to say goodbye to a friend, like, you just recognize you're at a point in life where your paths diverge. Like, maybe when you graduate high school or you graduate college, like, like those sections where you just like, hey, we had a great relationship. Our paths are just going different directions. And, and like, that's a really difficult powerful moment and i feel like they did that really really well um and i just I, yeah it was a really powerful scene done well so that will that will be my favorite that leaves you matt yeah i i agree with those i think one thing that i like too is it, it's not my favorite but just another like i think good scene and good dialogue is when i forgot the character but she talks about um, Hiccup thinking he has to lead on his own, just like his father. And that's where I feel like the, you know, where normally that could see as like backtracking. I feel like they did a really good job with, you know, showing why he would fall into that same thing where he definitely thought like, I have to do things differently than my father, but he kind of started to go in that same direction as I need to do things on my own. I thought that was really good, but I, I totally agree. Um, you know, with everything that you guys said. Yeah. Uh, I'll add in like, just kind of honorable mentions and you guys are welcome to mention any others that you like. I just love all the fight scenes, be that on the ground with toothless and his flame sword and just the animation for that, but also the way he uses it. Like when Astrid throws the gas and then he chucks it over and it explodes and they look at each other. Like that's a fantastic scene. The aerial fights really feel like aerial fights. There's just a lot of, uh, choreography, so to speak, that's done in the action that works really, really well. And I like it. I also just like the moment at the end when they all work as a team and they all like fly together and, and they're, they're about to fly. And wait, is it Roughnut who says, this is the best you got? And he's like, no, you guys are the best I got. And then they go and fly and mm -hmm. they like actually land as a team. And he's like, oh, we got the timing right. Like that's just, those are good moments that I just really, really like. So yeah, any yeah. honorable mentions that either of you want to throw out? Yeah, I really also like the scene where Toothless kind of really starts to try to impress the uh, the Light Fury for the first time, and he's basically getting honey potted here. Which let's just call it what it is. Like that's what's that's what's happening here. Um, but it's really funny. He clearly doesn't know what to do. Um, he has no reason to know what to do. And Hiccup is a terrible wingman. But the scene is so funny. Like he's trying his best to help his friend. Um, the one detail that I caught this time, it's interesting. So Hiccup walks out of his tent and it's, it's dark out as the scene goes on. They make a point to progressively lighten the atmosphere and environment and, and show that it's becoming morning as it's going on, which I, I thought was a really nice touch. It, it I don't know how many people would have caught it, but um, I, I really do like that, that whole scene in general. It's, it's really a lot of fun. It's very funny and it's technically well executed. Yeah. I will say too, I, I was thinking during the whole sacrifice scene, I couldn't help but think that Gwen Stacy wishes she had light fury in her moment. 
<laughs> uh, don't we all? But but that that's just me. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, as it is the end of the trilogy, as per tradition, as we've done, it is a time to not just reveal our favorite scene, but also our favorite character, and then I'll I'll say favorite dragon. So we'll say favorite human character, favorite dragon. Uh, I'll give you. I didn't tell you this beforehand, so I'll give you a second to think about it if you need to, because I also need to think about it. <laughs> I'll, for the I'll entire go, trilogy. So go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I'll go first, and it's gonna sound cliche, but rarely is. I think rarely are two main characters, especially in a movie that you know goes past two, gets to three. You know, we mentioned it with with Shrek. Rarely do the two main characters of these movies have so much natural progression that everything again just feels natural so for me it it might seem like a cop-out and the easy thing to do but i can't help but just be like awed by hiccup and toothless the relationship that they had the way it naturally progressed again like that that scene where he's ready to sacrifice sacrifice himself is totally believable it's it's earned it feels like it should be happening and as much as it would have been sad, like you would have been okay. Like I hate to say, okay, but if hiccup would have died and that would have been part of this movie, you could have felt like it felt geez deserves just for someone to die. That's weird. Um, but it just felt like that could have happened. And it, you would have been at the movie, like you could have been sad, but at the same time, it served a purpose. It wouldn't have felt like hollow, like, Oh, you just did that to try and get an emotional punch from it. No, it, there was a natural progression behind how he got to that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I I'm, I'm, it's going to be hard to pick a different character besides the two of them. I also just want to add in that scene because I forgot to earlier uh, when we were talking about it. I love that when the Light Fury, or, uh, does she have a name or is it just the Light Fury? The Light Fury, whoever her name is, the White Dragon. Uh, when she saves Toothless, the look that she gives him, like the frequent look that we so conf- or, or consistently got from Toothless when he would look under at whoever he was holding and smile and like his ears were flapping in the wind. And the way she looks at Toothless, or Gosh, I'm getting all the names confused. The way that she looks at Hiccup, I just was like a really, really touching moment that just made my heart swell with joy. And it just was a, a happy moment. So I just had to make um, But Rob, do you have a favorite character and a favorite dragon? So um, it's hard to disagree with Matt, but if I'm going to pick somebody who's not Hiccup, which a great character, well written, you see so much uh, from him and, and growth. Um, there's not a scene with Gobber that I dislike. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, every almost every line he has is funny for one reason or another, um, but not like funny in a way that's obnoxious and trying too hard. Like funny because the scene is cleverly written and the line is well written and well delivered. Um, and I think sometimes just the sheer like, absurdity of the situations is what makes it really funny and the seriousness with which he plays it because 
most of his lines, he he deadpans the delivery. Like he's not the character is not necessarily trying to be funny. Um, it just is funny because of how serious he is about having like a half of his limbs are prosthetic, yeah. <laughs> you know, and 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 just some of the situations that puts him in. Um, so I, I really enjoy that. Uh, you know, the the dragon designs, there's so many good ones. There's so many incredible ones. Really, the only one that gets development, though, is, is Toothless, and he's phenomenal. I, I've said it before, but as far as uh, characters that we come to love who speak no dialogue at all whatsoever, um, I'd mentioned R2-D2 before, and, and I'm going to throw another one out there, uh, Wally. Mm, we good love choice. Wally. And that's and he says like no lines. I mean, you think about that that whole movie. Wally and Eva don't really talk. Much. Oh, like the first like, forty minutes is a silent movie. It's pretty much like you could you could watch it on mute and not lose anything. And we love their relationship for it, and um, and and we want to see how that grows. Um, it, it's it's that like Toothless is at that same level as as those other characters. So, um, yeah, that's gonna be my favorite. Yeah, great picks. You actually took him right on my mouth. I <laughs> I love the character of Gobber. Everything he says is hilarious to me. The amount of different attachments he has for his hand. Uh, I mean, I every scene he's in, I'm looking at what is in his hand because it just makes me laugh. Particularly the one which is like his hand that's just like straight. Like I don't, I don't know that he just has to be in the scene with his hand, and it makes me laugh because I just think that attachment is the <laughs> dumbest thing I've ever seen, <laughs> and it just matches. Like yes, he's the character that would have a hand attachment that does nothing but just like high fives people, um, <laughs> and I think it's hilarious. No, his lines are fantastic as well, and I love the voice actor for him. Uh, I don't really know any other films that he's involved in, but the way he performs Gobber with deadpan humor is fantastic. As far as my favorite dragon goes, obviously I think we were all going to pick Toothless. I, I think it'd be dumb to pick anything else. As far as designs go, there's a lot of cool dragons that are designed well, but I just love Cloud Jumper. I love uh, the huh. the mom's dragon Valka. I just the two wings or the four wings, or however you say that. I just think is a really cool design for a dragon, and I. Every single, I like, I'm always trying to, when it shows multiple dragons flying, I'm always looking for Cloud Jumper. I don't know why. There's just drags my eye to it. But that's not my favorite. My favorite is Toothless for all the reasons that both of you already mentioned. Just a fantastic character. Uh, like, there is a section of this film that is just Toothless and the Light Fury and their relationship, which I feel like the example of Wally and Eva was a perfect example. It's, it's the same thing. Like, there, it, there's just cooing and like animal noises and we get a very very solid relationship and understanding for two characters and it's it's great um so yeah any other favorite anything that anybody wants to mention i don't know what other favorites you can have but anything else you want to mention oh i guess we should should do this favorite wait we also i just it dawned on me we forgot to do um uh rummage for the rotten so we'll do that at the end and then i'll cut it in later um anyway Favorite of the trilogy. We'll actually do that at the end, after Rotten, because that will reveal the Rotten. So, okay. I don't think there's any other favorites we can vote on, so let's move into the last segment, which is Fallen, talking about the messages, themes, takeaways, as my dad always says, the moral of the story, um, which this trilogy has been really, really rewarding in this segment. So I want immediately want to go to you, Rob, because it seems like you always have great things to say about these films. So it, it, anything that you wanted to mention? Thank you. Um, I'll tell you what really jumps out to me that the 
big theme of this movie is um and and the takeaway and the message that an adult will carry away from this that maybe my kids won't pick up on just yet um my kids have had other kids in their class that are friends that have moved to other schools or moved to other states but they've never spent a large portion of their life being close friends with somebody and then the circumstances change, the situation changes. And Harrison, you talked about it earlier, you kind of go different paths, you know, like I can think about, um, again, Hiccup and Toothless would 100% throughout these films die for either, either of them, you know, just immediately, not even think twice. Um, you know, I can, I can think back to, you know, very, very close friends I have from high school. I still consider them close friends. Um, same thing with college. You know, I can think of people that, we had just crazy adventures together, wild situations. We celebrated good times. We celebrated bad times, you know, supported each other throughout both. Um, colleagues that I became incredibly close to um, as, I, as I moved around in my career and, and traveled from city to city as I, as I was getting transferred around and promoted and things like that. You know, some of these people that you share your life with, um, you become incredibly close with one another. Um, and then circumstances change and you always say you'll stay in touch and social media has made that easier than, than ever before. And, and it's, but I, even still, it kind of almost is a little bit of a sadness when I see people that I used to work with 10 years ago, um, you know, they're posting pictures of their kids graduating high school. And I can remember when that kid was like, you know, learning how to ride a bike, you know, like those kinds of things. It's, um. It, it, there's there's a sadness to that when you recognize that that's that's happened in your life and um you know it, life gets in the way of of some of these great relationships and I, I it's still to this day like i consider all of those people friends i and i and i love and adore them and wish that i could still share time with them like like we used to but uh you know things happen life gets in the way of that and uh and and you know, I'm happy with where things are in my life, but at the same time, there's a, there's a nostalgia for the good old days that we always have. And, and that includes all of these wonderful people we've met along our way and along our path. And that was kind of one of the big fall in type uh, moments that, that I think really jumped out to me from this film. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to jump right off of what you're saying and completely agree. I really thought about an experience because I feel like it's kind of similar to uh, hiccup and toothless. So something that my family has done in the past, we haven't done it recently. Uh, this was years ago. Uh, I did it twice with my family. We do this thing over Christmas where we go down to Mexico. It's this program called builders without borders, uh, which is a charity organization. You go down to Mexico and you build people houses who don't have houses and you're there for like a week, maybe a week and a half. If I remember right, and you go to these people's place of living and build a house for them. I don't speak Spanish. There's people there who do, but it, I definitely don't. And so there's no communication I have with these people, but I spend, I don't know, 18, 19, 20 hours a day with them for seven days a week building a home for them. And I leave and come home, and both times I've gone, I just think about these people, and I just start to cry. Like, there's just a part of me that feels like my heart is gone now. Like, my heart is with those people. I left it there in Mexico, you can say. Uh, it ha I remember the first year uh, I went, my brother, he was just like a mess. Like he just, he'd just sit on his bed and start to cry and I'd be like, what's wrong? He's like, I'm just thinking about whoever. And he'd like say one of those names. And it was just like really, really interesting to see. And I think that 
there are relationships. You don't have to go down to Mexico and build somebody's house. Like, that's not all I'm saying. I'm just saying that's one of the many circumstances that happen in life where you do build a relationship with someone in some way, shape, or form. And sadly, you just have to go different ways. And I think that that's a very serious part of life that is difficult. When you've experienced that, you know the feeling, the feeling in your stomach you get, so to speak. And um, I just, I think that, is there like a theme or a message to draw out of that besides just that's a thing? And like, it makes me more grateful for those relationships. Like, uh, I don't know who it is that said, don't be sad that it's over, just be glad that it happened. Like, it really, really makes me think about that. Like, as the film was ending and the credits were playing, um, I was thinking like, oh, like I was really kind of emotional. Like, not just that, oh, Hiccup and Toothless have gone separate ways as far as the film goes, but like, I was sad, like, I'm not going to watch another movie with Hiccup and Toothless. Like, there's not another one that I'm going to watch a few days from now for us to do another episode on. Like, I can go rewatch them, but this is the end of the relationship for Hiccup and Toothless that I have really loved. And I just found myself saying, you know what? I'm grateful that it has happened because I was like really, really sad. And I just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling at this point. I just think that that's a really touching thing, a very real part of life. And I'm, I'm grateful for the reminders to enjoy it. What is grief if not love persevering? Ah, yes. Vision. That's a classic. Classic. That's such a great quote. It's a phenomenal quote. So I don't know what else to say because <laughs> um, you guys said it, but you know, I, I guess if we're just gonna, you know, really quickly pull an MCU quote, which really is very well done for this, you know, part of the journey is the end and yeah, it was terrible, but it was really cool to go on this journey and through all of it. Yeah. The end feels it, it's sad. But again, the end puts you in a spot where it feels like everybody's where they're supposed to be. Even if it doesn't mean that they're together, it feels like they're supposed to be there. And that alone is like, you're happy to see them in that spot. Again, just, you know, a, a quote from another movie, The Dark Knight Rises, when he says, I, like, you don't say anything to me and I don't say anything to you but we both know that you made it and that's enough. I, I don't need to see anything else except to see that this is where I wanted you to be all along. And I think this is where you wanted to be. Um, and I think that's kind of where we leave with this movie. And you, I just, I have the feeling that at, like finishing this trilogy, I just had the feeling that like everything worked out. Like, 20 years down the road, like everything is still fine with these characters. Yeah, well said. And what a, like a, as a rewarding way to conclude a story. Cause I hadn't really thought about that, but like, there's just like when they separated, I was worried like, Oh no, we're going to get like a post credit scene or we're going to get some like, you know, prologue type thing that shows them coming back together. And I was worried that that would ruin the sweetness mm -hmm. of them saying goodbye. But the way that it was done was, like we talked about earlier, so well done. And I think that you just described it in the way that my brain was searching for. Like, it's, it just shows that everything worked out for them. Uh, separately, together, however you want to describe it, just things worked out for them. And I'm like, that is a very, uh, like, whenever that happens in my life, you know, even in a film, I just want to, like, latch onto it. Because that is just a, a powerful feeling. And well said. I, 
I've been looking for the way to describe it, and you just took the words right on me. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really have any other themes. I mean, there is a little bit of a theme of of Hiccup recognizing his worth outside of Toothless and, and without Toothless, which I think is really, really great. But I feel like that is more of a story for the trilogy than it is a film. But it is something that I, I don't have too much to say about it besides just that is really difficult to recognize your worth without something. Uh, it's it's something that I'm trying to figure out right now. Uh, I particularly like, how can I say this the right way without making it too obnoxious? Um, I do really, really well when I'm busy. I Matt and Robin know this. I quit my job like a week ago on Wednesday. We're recording on a, a Tuesday, so about a week ago. Uh, just kind of spur of the moment type thing. I was planning on quitting at the end of the month and I just got to the point like, you know, it was time to go. My wife supported me and, and I quit. And I'm currently unemployed and have a lot of free time and I'm not doing the same things that I normally do. Like I was, I was normally so busy. I haven't uploaded an episode in like a week and a half. And you would think that without a job, I would have more time to do that. But it's just interesting how like having something or doing something kind of defines how you feel about yourself. And so I, I just, I don't, I don't have more to say about that besides that is something that everyone has to come to terms with the word. Like your worth and your value is something that comes from you outside of the people around you. As great as they are, like we just talked about, it is a very real thing where you have to recognize that. But also, I will add into that, recognizing the way other people are a part of that, like we talked about with Astrid. I think there's another interesting... Um kind of fall-in style moment when they land on the island that they believe is their temporary home and they start trying to make it home, um, it eventually becomes New Burke, as it were. Um, you know, and they kind of come to the uh, understanding that, you know, home, is, you know, our, our, our village is not the land. Our village is the people. And, and we see that kind of in other things. Um, but I'll just, you know, share something kind of interesting that, that really reinforced that to me. And, I, and I'm thinking of my, my own situation. So my family were in a temporary living situation because there's some work being done on our home. And we were over at our actual house one day, kind of doing some things. Um, and my wife and I were talking about, okay, what we got to do next. Okay. I'm going to take the kids home. And, and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, we're already in our home, but I was referring to like the temporary one. And it's, you know, uh, home is kind of like where your stuff is, where your people are, like where where you put your kids down to bed, like that's home. Uh, and that kind of those things kind of shift, those things kind of change. Um, and it's it's actually something I as I was watching this movie today, um, kind of like reminded me of that story that happened somewhat recently. It's it's not the place, it's the people, it's the it's the family, it's it's all of those other things. It's it's not the actual land itself. Yeah, that's really cool. How that those lined up? Well said. Uh, anything else that anybody anybody wants to add for Fallen? No. Okay. Well, I think that is a great place to end. So thank you for both of you for contributing to this episode and this entire trilogy. So since we forgot, I will edit this end to the beginning. We need to rummage for the rotten, which is a segment here at the Basement Binge, which we do just when I have guests where we guess who will be the rotten, the rotten being the person who gives it the lowest rating out of five reels, stealing that from Matt's show. So we're going to guess who is the rotten, and then at the end of the episode, which is technically right now because we forgot, 
is we will reveal our rating out of five reels and see who is wrong. I'm going to guess first. This is really hard, especially because we just did the episode. So like now I have, I know what you guys said about it, which kind of defeats the purpose of the segment. But, you know, we forgot. I think that we are all going to be tied. I think we're all going to be the run. I genuinely think we're all going to give it the same rating. I mean, I might be shocked. I don't know. But especially with what happened the last few episodes where we we were all so close. I think we're only like 0.25 away from each other at the most. I really think we're all going to give it the exact same. So that's my guess. But I'll let you go next, Matt. So... I was going to say the same thing. I think we're all going to give this the same score. So I think just by virtue of the title, we would all be the the rotten. So I agree with you. I don't think any of us are going to score this lower than the other person. Yeah, I'm I'm interested. So, Rob, what do you think? Yup. Okay, well, we'll let you go first, and we'll let you reveal <laughs> Rotten by giving your rating first. No pressure. Um, so is this a perfect movie? No. Um, the villain is kind of a retread of the last villain. Um, he wants to kill dragons for reasons um, by using dragons. Uh, okay, whatever. It, it still doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, you know who he looks like? He looks like Gary Busey and he acts like him, <laughs> he but, does, just, yeah. but just thin. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, kind of, it feels a little bit of a retread there. I, I mentioned that I didn't really like the, you know, Mrs. Robinson kind of vibes that the Jonah Hill's character, um, is, is trying to pull, um, outside of that, like it's, it's hard to find things about this movie that aren't fantastic and great. Um, it's you know you, it's hard to look at it on its own without also acknowledging it as the cap of a great trilogy and a phenomenal cap of a great trilogy. Um, it's hard to separate those. Um, that being said, it is uh, five out of five reels for me. <laughs> okay, Matt. Yeah, for all the reasons <laughs> Rob said, this is a five out of five. It is. It's one of those movies where. I cannot I cannot separate this from the tr- like from the previous two to grade it on its own. I I have to take into account with this movie how it closes out the series and the effectiveness in which it closes the series. It just it, these movies when you watch them especially like we did, they just go too much hand in hand to not think of this as the end to the story and as an end to what started, this is to me a perfect way to conclude this series. It's a five. Yeah. I'm just going to ditto everything that the two of you said. It is a five for me. I was hesitant to give it a five. I was, I was kind of leaning towards four and a half just because, you know, five and a five is five type of thing. And then I just thought, you know what? No, I, I was really touched by the film. I really enjoyed it. The entire time, I just kept thinking, there's not that I have a lot to complain about. The pacing, the scenes, really, I didn't even have a least favorite scene. It was just little moments that just didn't work the best. Uh, five out of five. So I guess we're all rotten out of five out of five. So <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Great film. Great film. So 
I, man, I, I'm like sad that there's not another one because this has just been a blast to watch the films but also to record them with you. So I guess we really will have to do Transformers because that probably will be just as fun, but in a different way. Until they release uh, How to Train Your Dragon presents Rough Nut and Tough Nut. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, that should be a thing. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, Make it a thing. <laughs> that is so funny. DreamWorks, that, make it happen. That really like works too. Like, especially with what you're knocking off. Like that just how well that works <laughs> is kind of shocking. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, so huge thanks to Matt and Rob for joining me for these this episodes, but also the the past two. I'm sure many other episodes we're gonna get do together. Obviously, like was mentioned at the beginning, you should definitely go subscribe to Matt Goes to the Movies wherever you listen to podcasts. Wherever you're currently hearing our voices go into your eardrums, you can find Matt Goes to the Movies. And you should go subscribe because we're going to be talking about video games, particularly the top 100 episode, or part one, I should say, is already out on that. Which, I mean, I can't even believe that we're doing this. Like, I keep trying to wrap my head. I was absent for the first episode, so I... It's still like very, very fresh in my head, but I'm, <laughs> I'm very, very excited for those episodes. Additionally, a really exciting episode on Rocketeer. If somehow you're listening to this before those come out, which that wouldn't even make sense, but if so, go listen to the Daredevil episode while you wait. Check out Matt Goes to Movies wherever you get podcasts. Really can't recommend it enough. Thank you again for both being here. Anything else you want to say about Matt Goes to the Movies? Uh... No, I just ap- appreciate that. Uh, yeah, you know, I think March is still trying to figure out exactly what March is going to entail. Uh, there's a lot coming out, but I know one thing for for sure that will be covered is the Batman uh, with that coming up. So other than that, still trying to figure out what the schedule is going to be. I, I know we'll have announcements for that, uh, you know, during parts two, three, and four for the video game reviews. So still figuring out the schedule for March. Well, very exciting. Also, what you can expect here at the Basin Binge, animation season is continuing. Got to wrap it up before February ends. Then we'll get the How to or how to Train Your Dragon. Wow. The uh, Planet of the Apes trilogy in line with the Batman from Matt Reeves. I'm really, really excited to come back to those. Um, I was having a conversation with somebody else how they said, you know, some movies are only worth watching once. Because the second time around isn't so much, and they mentioned um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes specifically, hmm. and and so I was like, you know, right? There's not a lot of reason that draws me back to the movie outside of Matt Reeves' direction, uh, so it'll be interesting to come back to it. Also, I just wanted to add that I saw this review on Rotten Tomatoes for this movie, and I just have to include it because it's genius. This movie could easily be called How to End Your Trilogy, and I agree. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that will be the end of the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy because this really is how to end a trilogy with great characters and wrapping up their story. So if you didn't know, this is Animation Hall of Fame Volume 2 here at the Basement Binge. My name is Harrison, and that's all for now. Ciao, ciao.